All right. I check, check, I'm good. So I'm Max Ron. Max, Max Ron. CWB Association Wealthy Podcast. Pod, pod, podcast. Today we have a really cool guest. Wealthy Podcast. The show is about to begin. Podcast. My name is Max Saron, and we have another fantastic episode for you guys that are listening. Uh, today we have Nicole Leclerc coming into us from out east. She is a fantastic lady who has a lot, a lot of cool projects on the go. So, hello, Nicole. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here today. So, virtually, <laughs> yeah, virtually. We're uh, we're virtualizing, I guess, um, which is the way we do it now. And, and, you know, it's been working fine. Um, so, Nicole, today's been crazy. Uh, let's face it, just starting. <laughs> it's only going to get crazier. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been good. We're both running around with our heads cut off. Um, but, you know, the nice thing is that at least on my end, I have all the gear worked out because the last show I recorded, my gear was, was buzzing out on me. But I feel like at least uh, at least I'm I'm I'm. I got it together so far today. So far uh, today. Technology, eh? When it works, it's great. Yeah, exactly. So, Nicole, where are you calling in from? From Burlington, Ontario. Burlington, Ontario, yes. and and what? Yeah, that's where I've called home for, uh, gosh, about uh, the past eighteen years or so. Eighteen years. So, where were you born? Yeah. I was born and raised in Ottawa, Ontario. In Ottawa, and I, I've been to Ottawa, but I've never been to Burlington. Is Burlington a nice town? It is. It's very scenic. Uh, just, uh, you know, nowhere is too far within Burlington. And we have a beautiful downtown area, you know, overlooking Lake Ontario. It's very scenic. I like it. I like to hear a lot of all the places I've lived and moved around for school and work and stuff. Uh, I'm really happy where I wound up. Awesome. So so you're growing up in Ottawa and young Nicole is going to school. How'd you like school? Were you good at school? Say I was just an average student. I didn't love school. I didn't love high school. Um, unlike a lot of my friends, I didn't really know what I wanted to be, uh, quote unquote, when I grew up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was probably a little bit more lost than some of my other friends who knew what they wanted to do and knew what universities they wanted to go to. And uh, that was not the case for me at all. No, did you, uh, what did you do as soon as you graduated high school? Did you uh, go pick up a job or, or just kind of float around? Well, right after high school, um, I actually went to university. I went to Carleton University in Ottawa just because that's what all my friends were doing and that's what what seemed to be expected of me. And I think my parents didn't want me just sitting around the house. So um, that's what I did. And I I, uh, only lasted a few months and I just hated it there. Like I thought, what what is this for? Like I was sitting in a psychology class I think I just signed up for like a bachelor of arts honors or some sort of generic thing Mm -hmm. and uh, sitting there having that aha moment in a psychology class just going okay so what happens if I if I graduate from this four-year program what am I going to do the rest of your life my job going to be and I just sort of um just I I don't know if I panicked I just dropped out because I thought well whatever my job's going to be it's not going to be something related to this so I just dropped out and uh, worked a part-time job for a while, earned some money, bought my first car, tried to figure out life. And you know the expression about if you if you do something that you love, you never work a day in your life. And I thought of that, and I thought, well, what do I love? What am I good at? I better figure this out. So um, I did think 
uh, of the trades because I always loved working with my hands and fixing things. And um, so, where so, did you find a avenue in your life as a young girl where you got to experience that? How did you figure out that you loved love to work with your hands? Like, did your parents, was your dad or your mom in the trades? Or another? Well, yeah, both of my parents were pretty handy. I mean, I grew up um, almost my whole life with a family cottage, you know, so there was always something something to do and, uh, and work on and fix and mow the lawn and mm-hmm. all this sort of thing. And, um, you know, my dad, uh, he, he built our cottage. He was very handy, but his main job was... Uh, was as an executive at, uh, at a company. So he went to work every day in a suit and tie um, and then traveled a lot for work as well. And so I was, um, you know, spend a lot of time with my mom who was a stay at home mom. She used to be a nurse, but um, raising her children, uh, stayed at home, you know, w- with my mom who had to do a lot of stuff around the house because my dad just wasn't there. So she would mow the lawn and change the fuses and, you know, do handy things. And so really, even though my mom was a stay at home mom, I had really great uh, leadership from both my parents and in the sense of, you know, being able to be handy and doing things and watching and learning. And uh, I was just someone who always posed the question, well, why does it work that way? And, and, you know, why does it, this happen when this button is pressed or whatever the case may be. And I always wanted to learn how and why. So um, that was just something that was in me, even as a child, I guess, and uh, tried to tap into some of those likes of mine, uh, you know, once I got to university age to see if I could actually have a job that could relate to some of my my own handiwork. You know, and that's totally relatable. Like uh, when I finished uh, high school, I went straight to university because that was like the thing to do. Right. And uh, I was I took I took computer science right out of school because I loved building electronics and working with my hands my whole life. I was really handy. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to go to university, I should do something that kind of ties the two together. And I thought in my mind, like build robots, you know, I could do something with computers. But uh, it was just like you when I got to class and I'm sitting there and it's three hour lectures and people are droning on. I just couldn't handle that. Like it was really, really hard to sit there. I'm too antsy, too hyper. And uh and I actually, I ended up going to university for six years and I finished a, a philosophy degree. So that was, uh, that's, wow. that's a whole nother story of Max's <laughs> life. That's another podcast. <laughs> yeah. But then I, as soon as I finished, like I got out of university, what I did is I went into welding because my dad was a welder. So like, because let me tell you, university degrees don't pay the bills. Like they really don't. Yeah. Oh, and that's interesting to know that your dad was a welder. A lot of people ask me if someone in my family was a welder and figured that that might be how I got into it. But nope, my brother, my dad, uncles, uh, you know, nobody that I knew of was a welder. It was really just something that that I got into on my own after thinking of the trades. And then I kind of broke down the trades that I that I didn't want to do. Like mm-hmm. I thought of electricians and plumbers. and But there was something a little more uh, interesting about welding to me. So what I did, having um growing up in Ottawa I took a night class so I think there's a lot to be said for continuing education classes because that's what I did I went to Algonquin College in Ottawa took a night class in oxyfuel welding and so um that really just I hate to say sparked my interest uh in in welding quite literally and uh yeah so I I enjoyed it so much that I basically dropped everything and I moved to Sudbury where I did my welder fitter uh, program at Cambrian College. And that's, it was that continuing education class that got me to take it full time. And so I did the welder fitter program at Cambrian and that was a one year program at the time. 
so just moved up north and uh, uh, spent a year of my life doing that. I got my opposition stick ticket there and just did a lot of welding and learned even more about, you know, the theory of welding and, and all that. And miraculously, I became a really great student. So what was an average student in high school, I became a top student uh, in college because I was doing something I really did thoroughly enjoy. And even the math, right? It made sense because you were applying mathematical equations to, to something that uh, you could relate to. Well, that's the thing. You know, when, when you go back to school and you see the connections, right? You can make the connections between what you're learning and what you're going to be doing at work. Um, it's, it's now valuable. Like you can see it and be like, okay, this makes sense because, you know, I'm glad I'm learning this because this will actually help me. Um, I took a course about three years ago about like, uh, becoming a better business person, like one of these like self-help business courses. And, uh, the guy actually made a really good point. Cause he's, he said, if you learn something and while you're sitting in front of the teacher, learning it, you're not thinking about where you can use it. You're going to forget it. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. And, and it's true because when I'm in an interesting course and I'm learning something, I'm in the back of my mind being like, oh, cool, I'm going to do that there. Or, or with welding, you know, like watching a video of some guy doing a cool uphand and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go try that. If you're already thinking about it, you're going to definitely remember it and you're going to learn it. But if you're learning something and you're thinking about the groceries or did I leave the stove on or, you know, what am I doing tonight for supper? Then you know what? It's gone. You're not going to remember it. Agreed. So you uh, you 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 went through the Weld Fab course, which is interesting. The in Regina, we just started doing Weld Fab in our college. It's been in Saskatchewan for years, but we just started doing it in our college, and uh, I, we find it interesting to see how the students branch out afterwards. If they go the Weld route or the Fabricator route, um, I myself have my Red Seal in both welding and in steel fab, so I love both sides of that coin. Which one did you like better coming out of the Weld Fab course at Algonquin? Um, well, Algonquin was just the, uh, the OxyFuel class. That was the night oh, class. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. And so. then, uh, and then Cambrian College, uh, was the welder fitter program. And what happened, what I wound up doing after that was because I had, uh, graduated, uh, second highest out of my class out of, um, 65 people. It was a pretty big, uh, group. They separated us into two. And, uh, um, I have to give Gerald at, um, at Cambrian College a million thanks because he came to me and actually said, Hey, you know, you're pretty good at this. Have you thought about welding engineering technology? And I was like, no, I didn't know that that course existed because at the time and still today, it is only offered at two colleges in Ontario at Northern College in Kirkland Lake and at uh, Conestoga College. Uh, At the time, it was the Guelph campus that I attended. So I, I, you know, he opened my eyes to that. I did some research. It was a three-year program. So I thought, gosh, I don't know. That's, That's a lot to take on. But because I was loving it so much, I was like, uh, hey, why not? I looked into it. And because I had taken the welder fitter program, I just had a couple other little small courses to make up for. And I was able to do the three-year program in two years because they gave me a lot of exemptions having taken the welder fitter program. So I jumped into that. And then I did the uh, the three-year uh, welding engineering technology program because I figured, you know, if once you get into, you know, having a full-time job, you're probably not going to stop and go back to being a full-time student again, necessarily. I mean, it happens, but mm-hmm. knowing myself, I thought, oh, I'm in it now. I might as well just keep, keep going, keep, uh, keep getting educated in, in my field of choice. So um, then I went to Conestoga College and pursued that. 
you know, I, I didn't even know about the welding technologies course coming from Saskatchewan. Like you said, it's only offered in two colleges in Canada. And uh, I've ran into students and, then, and also instructors of that program now in my career. And it's awesome. It's an awesome course. Uh, like you come out with inspection. I, be I believe your level one inspection ticket and then some basic welding. And like, I mean, it seems like a very well-rounded course to, for a student to have going out into the field is very applicable to, to getting a job. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But you know what, when you said it wasn't available in Canada, I didn't know that. I thought it was just in Ontario. It was offered at two colleges, but I didn't realize it was only two colleges in Canada. It's like all. So it's really nowhere else we've looked into maybe trying to set one up here in Saskatchewan because we, we think it's an awesome program. And basically in our in, in our vision of trying to set up a welding technologies course, we ended up developing a new course called Innovative Manufacturing, which now mixes welding with machining, which is kind of, you know, the way the future is going where employers are looking to hire people with more than just one set of skills you know so instead of trying to step on the toes of another program we kind of created our own and um, and they're super valuable like i mean everybody that i know who's gone through that technologies program they're so knowledgeable like they're getting really good training yeah well i tend to agree i mean we covered so many things you know metallurgy and inspection and robotics and um just deeper metallurgy into various types of parent metals and yeah, it was very interesting. And uh, um, yeah, it, it equipped us all um, to get a really great job after graduation. And in that graduating class was only 14 of us. So it's a small, mm -hmm. smaller group. And I, I can't speak for us all, but I would say the majority anyways of us all had jobs before graduation. Um, obviously contingent on the fact that we would graduate yeah. <laughs> and I know for myself as well, I began working for uh, um, a welding distributor after um, after graduation and yeah, I had the offer of, uh, of, you know, intent to hire, uh, based on the fact that I would graduate. So then I wound up working for a distributor for about 14 and a half years afterwards, just getting so much cool, uh, experience because I feel like by being a territory manager and looking after so, so, so many clients over a wide geography that I felt like I was on like a hundred companies, um, payrolls because I got to see how so many things were made and help them out with various processes that it was just a, an amazing experience to be able to you know not just focus on one thing and work at one company manufacturing you know a few items but to really um you know get a really broad view of of what uh, the manufacturing world was like well as a distributor uh manager you're going to be part of the problem solving team for pretty much any project that comes up right you're going to be looking at welding filling consumables you know requirements uh you know yeah machines gases everything uh, right? you name it uh, we were usually always someone on their uh, go-to list of of uh who they would look to for help to make sure that they were set up with the right uh, application and process and equipment and shielding gas and whatnot so and I yeah, it was uh, it was a good experience but um, what I enjoyed the most from that whole experience was, was educating the customer and, uh, leaving the customer site, knowing that they were better off for having had me visit that day. And I just got felt a lot of, um, I don't know, fulfillment, I guess is the word just to know that, you know, all, all that education I wound up getting was actually paying off and I could share it with, with the uh, clients. And that was what I enjoyed the most was the education aspect of it. So I thought, wow, I'd really like to investigate to see whether, you know, that's something that I could could do and, and change careers. 
So, um, yeah, I knew that having the welding engineering technology, uh, I was told anyways, uh, when I was in school, that having that would, would be enough to um, deem me, you know, applicable to, to be a teacher at the college level. So I uh, pursued it and I just sort of contacted randomly my associate dean at, uh, at a, a nearby college and just wanted to sit down and have a chat with them. It wasn't a job interview. I just wanted to sit and ask them like, so what's a day in the life like for you? And just to get a feel for if I thought he was gonna describe something that I might like. And um, having went for that conversation, which I thought we were just having a chit chat, I wound up getting a letter of intent to hire from them. So that was a pretty cool experience. I was in a job interview and didn't know it. And uh, yeah, so I thought, well, why not? So started with just a few hours per week and uh, and then loved it and wanted more and more. So then I wound up branching out to another college. And then I've even done some product development work for a third college. So yeah, it's kept me busy. So you were 14 years on, a, on in a job. Like that's a long time in today's world. Uh, you must have really liked it there. Well, it was it was all right. Um, I, but like it was, it was dwindling for me as time yeah. went on too. Right. Because like I said, I figured out what I liked the most about the job. And, but unfortunately in that type of a territory sales, you know, territory a manager type job, there's a lot of other stuff that's incorporated in that type of job that you're not really enjoying doing, yeah, you know, yeah. if customers are behind on payment or worrying <laughs> about machines out for repair or one did, thing or another. And I'm like, this is not what I went to school for. I did you, uh, I did you ever have to go out and break any legs? Uh, once. <laughs> yeah. 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 You had to go, we did a, you we had did to go collect. Yeah. We did a repo call somewhere once, but uh, no baseball bats, no legs were broken, <laughs> but we did have to take a few machines back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You always wonder about that. Like, I mean, it never feels good to owe somebody money. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all those types of aspects of the job, like it, it just, it wasn't, uh, wasn't doing it for me. And I thought, well, why? Why not spend the majority of your time doing that small thing that you love that you really like? Job. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this is anyway, a perfect time. To, short. This is a perfect time for the break. We're at about seventeen minutes here, so the conversation's just rolling here, guys. This is awesome. This is Nicole. So we'll be right back on the CWB Association podcast after our sponsors' commercials. The CWB Association membership is new, improved, and focused on you. The CWB Association is offering a free membership with a full suite of benefits to anyone interested in joining an association that is passionate about welding. Build your career, stay informed, and support the Canadian welding industry. Become a member today. Register at cwbassociation.org. All right, and we're back here on the CWB Association podcast. I'm Max Saran. Thanks for tuning in. We have Nicole LeClaire coming in from, uh, where was Burlington, Ontario again? And uh, yeah. she's telling us her story uh, where we ended off. She had just walked into a college and, and apparently got hired on the spot. So, I mean, that's awesome. Now, your first teaching gigs, what were you teaching? Were you just, you know, the OxyFuel courses or were you right into like the heavy stuff? Well, no, just for the first, um, for the first class that I taught, it was actually, I remember this because why wouldn't you remember your first teaching class, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it was the welding component to a plumber's, a first year plumber's apprenticeship. And that is where they do a lot of uh, oxy fuel. So it was kind of ironic when you think about it. I'm doing the plumbers uh, this week right now. <laughs> oh yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so we're um, here anyways. Yeah, we're just uh, followed the Ontario College of Trades guidelines of what they need to know for their first year. And uh, 
yeah, a lot of oxyfilcarine and, and welding. And anyway, so that's what I taught them. And uh, having come from a gas distributor that also manufactured gas, I was very, very familiar with the you know, cylinders, safety cylinder operation of them and whatnot. So uh, yeah, that was my first class. So and um, how long did it take for you to get from, you know, and for anyone that, out there that's listening that wants to become a teacher, it's, uh, it's sometimes a very long, tedious process. Now, some people are lucky and move in quick. But some people take years, if not decades, of working part-time gigs to get that seniority up. So, Nicole, how long did it take for you to get into a full-time spot? I'm actually not full-time, yeah. which allows me, <laughs> which allows me to uh, work at at, at the multiple places that I that I've had jobs at uh, over the past few years. So, I've been at one college for about uh, a little over four years, I guess it is, and. Uh, and then at a second college for one year and then for about six months i've done product development for a third college so yeah i, I kind of like being able to um float you know, around yeah yeah i'm in I, the exact um, same boat as you i'm not i've been almost seven years at my college now but i'm still not full-time i'm contract based so that gives me the opportunity to do my international work that i do overseas that i work for cwb on the side i do lots of other gigs and i still have my company and i wouldn't be able to do that if i was tied down to one full-time contract so you know we have that same in common we kind of keep our options open right well, yeah, and it gives you the uh, kind of freedom as well that when you sign a contract, yeah, you're under contract. But then when you're not under contract, you know, you you have no, you can travel, you can do whatever you want, right? So, yeah. well, maybe not travel so much now <laughs> with uh, the current state of the world. But anyways, no, no, I, I've never went any length of time without being uh, under pretty regular contract. Mm -hmm. So now, what's but, your, what, what's the your... fact that I was saying about teaching um, welding, uh, the welding component mm -hmm. to an apprenticeship, I just find that uh, one thing that really has cemented itself for me, even though I've been in, in the trades for a very long time, because I started my welder fitter program in 98. So that was 22 years ago. Uh, a lot of things have changed, but one thing that's always remained the same and will always remain the same is how I find that welding is just such a versatile skill and transferable amongst so many other trades because um, you know, like I said, the welder or the plumbers have to know a bit about welding, um, you know, like millwrights and steam fitters and sheet metal guys and automotive. And e there's even a welding component to the carpentry apprenticeship. So along with teaching some of the um, post-secondary students, I also have taught a lot of uh, apprentices as well. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool, you know, to think that, you know, I, I weld and that's my trade but yet it is so transferable and so many other trades need to know a little bit about welding too so so do you still get out on the tools you still weld um well there's been small jobs that i've done for people little repairs and stuff like that but mostly my welding is uh is showing students how to weld these days by uh you know you know when by the time i add up my hours amongst all the colleges it's uh so it's a lot to keep me busy so mm -hmm. Um, yeah, mostly it's just uh, instructional type uh, welding, but I do do small repairs on the side. And what's your best weld? What's the one weld that you know you can throw down and probably no one in the room is going to do a better one? Well, it's hard to say because there's a lot of good welders out there. I, w yeah. I don't know if I'd want <laughs> to say that, but I do hold a lot of tickets. <laughs> and um, um, but and I think that a lot of people's um, best welds goes back to the first process you learned. And I feel like a lot of 
times people are the best at the first one they learn. Like I personally love TIG welding a lot, but it wasn't the first process I learned. It was stick welding, like probably most people. And I still, to this day, love stick welding. I love my all, all position stick welding. I love it. So I'd probably say that as, as your answer, but I also love TIG welding a lot as well. Yeah, like I, I have done enough TIG, but I'm not a TIG pro. It's not my gig. I worked heavy industry, and in heavy industry, you don't do any TIG. It takes way too long. Uh, so, like, for me, it was always, like, I, I'm a stainless guy. I always thought I could lay down some pretty wick, wicked stainless speeds. You know, that's always fun. Um, we actually have competitions in our college amongst instructors. We do a throwdown every year where we compete against each other to see who can do the best. It's fun. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. My boss always wins and he always throw, holds it over our heads because he welds the least about of all of us, the program head. He's never on the tools, but he's just got this innate skill that just it's so Doug, if you're listening, I hate you because that's not, <laughs> that's not if fair. If you have the knack, you have the knack, right? <laughs> but the question is, who's the judge? Who judges all of your pieces? Well, we actually get students in on it to help judge, and we have rubrics made up, and uh, we actually change the welding, the weldments every year. So, like, we, we kind of pick random welds, verticals, and different, you know, metals, and try to keep it fun. And, like, last year was an aluminum TIG in there. That killed me. I'm not very good at aluminum TIGs, so... <laughs> No, it's fun to keep it interesting. It's it is. all in good, all in good fun, right? Uh, amongst instructors, so yeah. that's cool. It's a good idea too. So now, now that you got these projects, you're teaching in two colleges, working product development with a third. Um, what's what's your passion now? What are you what are you working towards going forward? Are you settling in as an instructor, or you got kind of some big ideas coming forward? Well, um, a passion project of mine uh, that I have been working on for the past few years to get it kind of established is the Nicole LeClaire Welding Bursary Award. Mm -hmm. So that's really been my passion project for the past uh, few years. So I essentially set up a kind of like, basically like a small foundation. It's a donor advised fund where I donated a bunch of money to get it started. And then uh, my intent was to donate the return on investment that I received from it um, and donated it to, um, to, to students. Um, oftentimes, like uh, over the years, I've been invited as a guest um, with the Canadian Welding Bureau to some of their events that they've attended, and I've gotten to witness a lot of awards being presented and uh, to help these students. And I feel like, gosh, you know, like I really feel like now that I've been in the industry for, like I said, over 22 years, and I feel like it's really important to give back. And I thought, you know, that's what I should be doing. And how can I do that? So it took a while to establish it, but eventually it, it, uh, it all fell into place. And this past um, September, so last month, um, for um, four students that were pursuing welding at the post-secondary level in Ontario, I was actually able to uh, eat, give them each $2,000 to go against their tuition. So um, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Like, And so who who is open to your scholarship or your bursaries uh, what's the process is it, is it your colleges alone or is anyone across canada able to get in on it or what's a little bit of the yeah. process well thanks for asking um and i don't want to leave you guys out over you know in the west, west but <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day it will be open um to everyone in canada but for right now anyways for the first two years that it's been uh open has been to people in ontario just, uh, just Ontario folks, I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, post-secondary colleges here, enough uh, opportunity where I'd be able to uh, help just 
these folks and keep uh, keep manufacturing in Ontario as much as uh, as I could for for my province um, because these people who are going to go and get educated will hopefully then get a job in in uh, in the same province and and then they can give back and it'll be a whole <laughs> cycle. But uh, for the first year, so last year I was only able to give out a fifteen hundred dollars and one student won that. But I'm happy to report that I've had a bit of industry sponsorship helping me out and who believed in my project which meant a lot and um, they sponsored me, they agreed to sponsor me some money to go along with my money uh, for the, um, this year as, as well as um, next year and the year after. So they've agreed to a three-year term. So because of that, I've, I'm gonna be able to probably offer again uh, next year uh, for $2,000 bursaries. That's awesome. Uh -huh. I know the, our CWB association in Regina, we have set up a 10-year cycle of uh, bursaries that we set up for students. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to manage that. And luckily, we have sponsors that uh, have stepped up and help us even with the management of it. Um, but to do it on your own like that, that's uh, that's that's be some big cojones there. Well, uh, thanks. It is, it is uh, time-consuming, but it's a labor of love. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it is, it is something that's going to go on in perpetuity. So I had to think about, yeah, I'm, I'm here to do it now while I'm still on this earth. And, uh, but what's going to happen afterwards, right? So yeah. I don't have kids. I wanted something to be my legacy. And so I, I teamed up with the Canadian Welding Bureau and they have agreed to um, perpetuate my bursary long after. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm glad the CWB was able to step up for that. And uh, I guess for the for the people coming up in Ontario, you know, look into this. There's a, there's an opportunity for you. I was just talking to a good friend of mine down at the UA, I believe. Uh, it's uh, the Iron Workers Hall in Toronto. Well, what's the number? 721, I believe. And uh, they said that they are, need welders so bad in the Toronto area right now that they just put a Kijiji ad out looking for welders. They're so short of welding. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So for people listening across Canada, if you guys want to work in Ontario, hit up the iron workers out in Ontario. They're looking for workers like crazy. They said they got at least a year of work um, if you're willing to go out there. And, you know, for the young welders in, in school, you know, there's bursaries and scholarships through CW Bear, like Nicole, CWB and Nicole herself and, and the foundation. So, I mean, we're, we're trying, right? Us, us, us older people that have been out in the industry a long time. We're trying to support these young people coming up because, like, we need you. We need you to support the industry. Absolutely. And maybe the numbers have changed, but the last one I heard uh, was that for every 10 people that retire, these baby boomers all retiring out of the industry, there's only one person coming in to replace them. And uh, and technically, that one person coming in is, you know, is, is new and doesn't have all that experience. It's so an might experience, not It might yeah. not even truly equate to one, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So, I, I'm a Gen Xer, and uh, I, I, of my Gen X um, age group, there's not that many tradesmen. And uh, and the and so everyone kind of went to university, and they're all, you know, sadly now with the turn with COVID, a lot of my, uh, you know, quote-unquote educated professional friends are unemployed or struggling and luckily most of my trade friends um, are still working so you know this is a good opportunity now with the retirements COVID's really pushing now the turn of industry we're going to need a lot of young people coming up absolutely and this is my small way of just trying to close that gap and trying to um yeah, get more educated, uh, skilled welders out there to uh, to fill in the gaps. 
And so what are uh, yeah, like I, Sorry, I said, it's just been a labor of love for me. I always like to plug um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Six Rules of Success. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you've heard them before, but um, number one is to trust yourself. Number two is to break some rules. Number three is don't be afraid to fail. Four is ignore the naysayers. Five is work like hell. And six is give something back. And I felt like that was my sixth uh, rule of success for, for Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I feel like I've come full circle now. So I've been able to uh, to give back. And it makes me really happy to, uh, to not just give these students some money to help them with education, but to keep in touch with them and find out where they go. And if, if they need a mentor in their life, you know, to reach out to me and ask questions and stay in touch. So you know, I didn't have that when I was growing up because I didn't know anyone else that was a welder. I didn't know anyone else to reach out to, to ask questions to. So, um, you know, I think that that probably would have helped me a lot when I was younger going to school. You know, that's such a key point that you make there, Nicole. I, I was at a, at a function last year where I heard a guy uh, say that it's called wisdom hoarding, that the boomers are wisdom hoarding and they feel almost attacked by young people coming up. And that is the collapse of mentorship. That's the opposite of what mentorship should be. Um, people with experience, people that have been in industry, management experience or really, really good shopping, whatever you have, you should be excited about sharing what you know with the young people coming up because it helps everybody it helps the industry it helps your own job it helps everything and it makes you a person that people can trust and use as a network and connection and that's huge the community for welding needs to grow not shrink and the only way it's going to grow is if the people that are at the top step up and share you know what i mean I could not agree with you more. Absolutely. And I totally know, like when I was coming up, there's, you know, the people in the shop that had been there, they're in their fifties and they've been there 30 years and you'd ask them for help and they'd be like, I'll go figure it out yourself. And that was really frustrating as a young person trying to learn in a shop. And I, I unfortunately didn't go to school for welding. I just went and got a job at a shop because my dad was a welder. And then I challenged and that's a much more difficult route. Let me tell you, going to schools where it's at now that I teach it, it's like, geez, what a, what a waste. I wasted years struggling on the floor not getting proper mentorship you know well that's too bad but i'm glad you persevered well what do you do i had a couple kids really young so that's uh that was always the 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 horn in my back that kept me going so (laughs) yeah well see i got dogs not kids but uh (laughs) that's why i set up the bursary and uh, the canadian welding bureau they they host the landing page for me uh, every year. So, um, oh, awesome. the application, Aww. the application process is hosted through them. So when the, the application gets sent in, they receive a copy, I receive a copy, and then I just pour over all the applications for a month and, uh, make the announcement. So for now, they're kind of helping me in that regard. And, uh, and eventually many, many, many years from now, uh, <laughs> after I'm no longer <laughs> here, they will continue it on into perpetuity until the money runs out. So, which hopefully yeah, never happens, hopefully lasts forever. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're uh, we're coming up to the end of the show here. Uh, do you want to give some details specifically about how to get to your website and your information and contact stuff like that? Um, sure. I can recite the um, I can recite the uh, the website is www.easydonate.com backslash Nicole Leclaire. So um, and that's e a s y d o n a t e dot com. Uh, backslash Nicole LeClaire, um, spelled as I'm sure you'll have it uh, marked in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, although 
the website says easy donate, um, you know, I don't want people to think that it's uh, it's like a GoFundMe or something. I did donate a lot of money to get this thing started, but but it does also accept um, donations. So if you are an individual or a company out there who wants to support the cause, you can actually make a donation through the website as well, if you so choose, and then you'll get a tax receipt. And um, yeah, it just kind of helps my cause. It's going to happen regardless, um, with, with or without the extra donations. But if you uh, feel like that's something you want to help uh, contribute to as well, you get a, a tax receipt. And, uh, and the more that it grows, the more students will be able to help. Awesome. So all the homies and homets out in the Ontario area, if you guys got businesses and companies and you're looking to give back and find a way to do it, please reach out to the Nicole Leclerc Foundation. Um, I'm sure it goes to a great uh, use and it sounds like four $2,000 scholarships out this year, which is fantastic. I mean, that's that's amazing. So is there anything else you want to you want to say to the to the to the masses before before we end the show here, Nicole? Oh, well, basically just that, um, you know, if, if I guess I'd like to speak to the people who are thinking about it and not sure, maybe, you know, it interests you, but you're afraid to take the step. I just want to be that person and say, just try it. Uh, maybe start like with something that I did and take uh, a night class because you never know where it will take you. Look where it took me. I never thought in a million years that by taking that night class, I would be where I am today. So um, just try it. You don't know unless you try and you're probably going to wind up having a really uh, great time and uh, not be sorry at all. So um, that and also two other female welders out there, you know, I feel like uh, young people coming into the industry can't, can't be what they can't see. And the more great representatives we have out there um, doing what they do and just being strong uh, role models to keep doing that. And like you said, to educate the younger folks, that's what we're here for. Yeah. So I, I love the message. I know myself, I, I am honestly a little disappointed this year in, in our intake at the college at how few women uh, are in the courses this year. We're down from other years, which I'm not sure why that happened, but for the women that are listening, follow through. If there, if there's a piece of advice, follow through. Don't be happy just being at the bottom. You might be the best welder in the shop, but gun for the supervisor job, gun for the management job, move up. We need more women at the top, right? We need more women business owners. We need more women instructors. We need more women at the top because those are the prestigious jobs that give people inspiration. And that's really the best way to, to get the numbers up is we need more female uh, roles that are inspiring. And, uh, you know, I'm doing my best, but as a male, I'm limited. Nicole, you're killing it. You know, that's what we need is we need women like you. So awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks. I think we represent about 9% of the welding population right now. It is. is and, uh, and of that 9%, it's less than 0.5% that is management. Oh, boy. Yeah, not surprised. But it's, it's a sad state of affairs, maybe one day. But... Uh, what can, you, what can we do but yeah. uh, just do the best we can? And um, hopefully if, uh, if more women, you know, get involved, hopefully those numbers will go up and up. I know I'm doing my part to try to uh, try to encourage anyone, male or female, just, you know, encourage youth to get into the welding trade. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Nicole. It was a pleasure having you here. Uh, maybe I'll check in on you in maybe uh, a while, see how the foundation's going and how everything's going. And I'm sure I'll run into you at CWB events. I'm, I'm usually at all of them. So uh, I look forward to meeting you. 
Yeah, I hope to meet you in person someday too. Awesome. Well, take care and thanks for listening to the CWB Association podcast. Uh, Check us out on Spotify. Please hit share and hit like. Get our numbers up. Uh, It helps with our sponsorships. It helps with our our visibility. So if you're listening, please make sure you share it and uh, use the social media out there. All of Nicole's information for herself and her foundation will be also up on Spotify and all streaming formats as well as YouTube. So take care, Nicole, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. You've been listening to the CWB Association Welding Podcast with Max Cerrone. If you enjoyed what you heard today, rate our podcast and visit us at cwbassociation.org to learn more. Feel free to contact us if you have any questions or suggestions on what you'd like to learn about in the future. Produced by the CWB Group and presented by Max Haran. This podcast serves to educate and connect the welding community. Please subscribe and thank you for listening.